Today, from the global lane, Christians in Yemen suffer as the U.S. and Britain launch airstrikes against Houthi rebels. You know, Christians obviously a, a, a despised minority, very much impacted by what's going on currently. Uh, they become easy targets. The October 7th truthers spread propaganda on the internet. Ignoring the evidence, they argue Israel launched the terror attack against its own citizens. Nazis worked so hard to cover up their crimes and to erase evidence of the crimes. October 7th showed the world they could penetrate Israel. Hamas and other terrorists may be poised to spill blood inside the USA. You've got a wide open border. I mean, this is actually, it's easier to get into the US than it is into Israel. And one of this year's Super Bowl ads is unlike any of the others. You know what? You know how to make a 93 year old man cry. And it's all right here on the Global Lane. Although the United States is hoping retaliatory airstrikes will deter Houthi rebels from attacking international cargo ships in the Red Sea, our next guest is concerned about the impact the heavy bombardment is having on Yemen's tiny, secretive Christian population. Ryan Brown is CEO of Open Doors U.S. He joins us now to fill us in. Ryan, first tell us about Yemen's Christian population. I think many people are unaware there are Christians in uh, that extreme Islamic nation. There are. It is a small number. Um, you know, that, that population has dwindled for many years. It was largely an expat population, but as war has just persisted there over the better part of the last 10 years, much of that population has been forced to, to flee. So many of the, the Christians in this area are, are folks that were formerly um, Muslim, Muslim background believers and have converted to Christianity. Well, what's the risk to the Christians then? As a result of this allied bombardment of Houthi rebel positions, uh, how does it differ uh, the risk to them uh, from other Yemenis? Yeah, so, you know, I think one of the, the greatest factors is when you take a look at, um, you know, the, the, the dynamic that occurs there in, in Yemen is that, you know, Christians obviously a, a, a despised minority. Um, and this is a, a, a state that's been a fragile state for, for many years because of the war. And it's a, it's a state that has been largely dependent upon outside aid. Um, as that aid is getting distributed, Christians are often last in line um, as it relates to being able to receive the, the, the care and attention there. Um, as war and as these things continue to escalate, that has a ripple effect, uh, an economic ripple effect. Um, it can disrupt supply chains. And so while Christians were already last in line, that line becomes even further. It becomes even elongated. And so Christians um, very much impacted by what's going on currently. And if they're not killed for their faith, I guess they're always blamed, aren't they, uh, because of the connections to the West? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah so, they become easy targets. Yemen is ranked as the uh, fifth worst persecutor of Christians on your annual World Watch list. So tell us what happens to any Muslim there who is discovered and accepts Christ. Yeah, that, that it's considered apostasy and it's considered uh, a punishable crime uh, that can be uh, you know, certainly imprisonment um, and uh, physical beatings and, and those types of things. But many parts of the country actually controlled by, you know, the, the, the clan structures. Um, so, you know, the, the formalized government does not necessarily have reach or control throughout the country. And uh, many of these clans do. And, and in many of those, those cases, uh, 
persecution there is even greater. Uh, and that's, you know, held within the family structure. Um, you know, family members, you know, certainly not just ostracized, but often, um, you know, uh, treated with violence and extreme persecution as they make professions of faith in Christ. So, so it isn't really coming from the government, so to speak. It's really uh, more of the clans, uh, also family members, neighbors, that kind of it's, thing? It's both um, in different parts of the country. So, you know, right now in those areas that are controlled by the, the government, I mean, the government does, uh, you know, have a hostile position towards Christians and, you know, uh, with increased security checkpoints and things along those lines, just because of the increasing hostilities, makes it very, very difficult for Christians to move around, to meet with one another, to, to meet one another's needs and those types of things. And so that's in the areas controlled by the governments, but a vast majority of the country, like you said, you know, controlled uh, by the, these clans. And so, um, you know, they will often look to take justice into their own hands, justice as they see it for, for those that um, have made a profession of Christ. So, so if you're a Christian, it isn't just the uh, Houthis that you have to worry about. You also have to worry about other clans and also the government. It is. It is. Yes. Uh, you know, there Al Qaeda presence in the south, uh, the Houthi presence in the north, um, and you know, it's uh, Christians are seen as as enemies on all fronts there. And more and more Yemenis are coming to Christ, though. Correct. What's what's happening there with church growth? That is correct, and, you know, and that is one of the things that um, you know God has incredible ways of working, uh, and you know one of the, the prayer requests that we get from from those that that we have the privilege of walking alongside uh, in in Yemen are to to pray for the ministry efforts that that are happening there. Um, many um, you know, the, the Yemenis who have been impacted are. Are, are scared and are curious and are looking and are asking questions. And um, in many cases, you know, the, the church has been able to come alongside um, and the word of God is providing the types of answers that people are looking for. And so, you know, the, the call that uh, our Yemeni brothers and sisters continue to, to echo to us is that we would pray uh, with them that even in the midst of this conflict that, that, that they would see peace and they would see security but they would recognize that in, in the midst of this this conflict that God is doing incredible things that his purposes are advancing and the church is advancing there and so just praying that they would be faithful stewards of this opportunity that God has given them. Well more war more hardship and more people coming to Christ. Ryan Brown CEO of Open Doors US thank you for providing us with that information Ryan we appreciate it. A new conspiracy theory is spreading across the Internet. It's called the October 7th Truther Movement. The idea that Israel, not Hamas, carried out the brutal terrorist attack last October. Dale Hurd explains. This is day 16 of your daily reminder that Israel, not Hamas, is responsible for the massacre of Israeli civilians on October 7, 2023. Called October 7th Truthers, this group believes Israel was behind the attack that killed 1,200 Israelis that fateful day. It entered the mainstream when an Oakland City employee blamed Israel for the attack during a city council meeting. There's not been beheadings of babies and rapings. Israel murdered their own people on October 7th. 
This Israeli military helicopter footage has been used to claim that the IDF intentionally fired on its own citizens. And in the conspiracy forum on Reddit with 2 million members, a person writes, There is a 100% chance that Israel is behind all of this. It's not like they don't have a long track record of false flag terrorism. Another writes, The world is a stage run by the Sons of Zion. The October 7th massacre of Israelis by Hamas is one of the most well-documented crimes in history, live-streamed for the world to see. And yet October 7th denial is spreading. This is the ultimate fake news. Rabbi Abraham Cooper of the Simon Wiesenthal Center says anti-Semitism since October 7th has skyrocketed. And those who have not experienced it personally uh, all they have to do is go up on social media. It's pervasive. It's increasing. Social media is tailor-made for conspiracy theories. You can manipulate photos, videos, information to, to bend it to whatever your uh, reality is, including creating a, a flat earth, whatever it might be. Cooper said the Jewish community was already in crisis mode before October 7th. Now the Anti-Defamation League says Jews face a threat level unprecedented in modern history. In December, almost 200 Jewish organizations across the U.S. were targeted with swatting incidents, false reports to the police of shootings or bomb threats. This Alabama synagogue had to be evacuated during a Shabbat service because of a bomb threat. People are, are on edge. They're nervous and we're going to continue to reassure them that it's safe to come to services. Even the anti-Semitism on college campuses is being called a false flag created by Jews. The website Gray Zone says it's a contrived campus anti-Semitism crisis. Cooper says no amount of evidence will change the minds of those who want to believe a conspiracy theory. The Nazis worked so hard to cover up their crimes and to erase evidence of the crimes. Hamas, they were live streaming it. We have people, who, they don't want to be confused by the facts. They don't want their worldview to be interrupted, even if it involves crimes against humanity and, and possible genocide. Dale Hurd joins us with additional insights. Uh, Dale, also disturbing was the refusal of the Oakland City Council to condemn Hamas for the terrorist attacks. So. Why didn't they? Why aren't other government officials, some members of Congress, doing the same? It might sound like a stretch, but, but I really think it goes back to they've adopted the Marxist idea, and Marxism has permeated the left around the world, the idea that the underdog, the, the weaker group, the minority, somehow is the right side of history. And that was Marxist idea was the persecuted worker was going to you know, be this vanguard into the future. And they, 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 they believe the lies about Israel's treatment of the Palestinians, and they see this mistreated minority, and they decide there must be some virtue in that. And evil in Israel, which, by the way, is the only democratic government in the Middle East. Well, so this is really uh, anti-God uh, Marxism uh, that they're battling. Uh, you've reported on anti-Semitism around the world for many years. And the threat level is now at an unprecedented level in modern history. So why is that? Because this trend didn't begin with Israel's war with Hamas and Gaza. Is social media to blame? Yes, but a chunk of it is ignorance of history. I, I, I'm seeing online people acting like Israel is just another country like Slovakia or El Salvador. 
it's a haven for a people that a country tried to wipe from the face of the earth while the rest of the world, including the United States, turned our backs. Let's not forget there were currents of anti-Semitism in this country before the Holocaust with Father Coughlin's radio program. And, and anti-Semitism was much more visible, although not necessarily violent in this country. And then we saw where it would lead with the Holocaust, and uh, that was pushed back. But then here we are again, because ultimately, I personally believe anti-Semitism is a temptation. Well, what role then uh, are the Muslim Brotherhood and their supporters playing in all of this? Some people have complained about the uh, influence of pro-Israel groups in Washington, but it seems the pro-Hamas Palestinian lobby and propaganda machine is quite influential there. It is, and you can see how they're, they're, they throw scraps into the machine. You know, they're feeding this, this machine with conspiracy theories, social media posts, and the left buys it because the left wants to buy it. The left wants to believe that the Palestinians, Hamas, which is a terrible terrorist group that persecutes its own people, uh, is somehow virtuous and that Israel, a democracy, is uh, a source of evil. Well, quickly then, Dale, Jesus said the truth will set us free. So how much is this anti-Israel, anti-Semitic trend reversed uh, when people are blind to the evidence and the truth? It is a sign, I think, of the spiritual condition of our age that so many, including conservatives, are starting to adopt this view that Israel is a sinister force. And if you're a conservative and a Christian, stop it. Okay, Dale Hurd, thank you for sharing your thoughts and that insightful report. We appreciate it. Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, the battle against al-Qaeda, the Taliban, and ISIS. Is America safer since the start of the war on terror? America Invaded is a new documentary examining that question, interweaving testimonies from veterans and Gold Star families suffering loss. The film also contends the number of terrorists crossing the U.S. southern border is now at an all-time high. Director Namrata Singh Gujral joins us with more. Namrata, Homeland Security statistics show in the past three years at least 300 apprehensions at the southern border of people on the FBI's terrorism watch list. So what did your investigation uncover? More than that, uh, remember these are your formal apprehensions. Uh, we have close to 2 to 2.5 million gotaways at this point. Uh, you can learn more about the spectacular gotaways in the movie America Invaded. But when you actually look, statistically look and adjust the numbers, um, it beyond the formal apprehensions, it is far more than that. Well, at least 30 apprehensions since the start of Israel's war against Hamas in Gaza uh, that are being reported anyway. Are these terrorists uh, Hamas fighters or Iranian-backed militiamen, Hezbollah, Houthi, other groups? Uh, what our investigation shows is, yes, we definitely have threats from Hamas and Hezbollah. And I mean, think about why wouldn't you? They went to Israel. Uh, they were able to get in there, infiltrate the villages and wreak the havoc that they did. And you've got a wide open border. I mean, this is actually it's easier to get into the U.S. than it is into Israel. I think it's the Islamic fundamentalists. There's various different organizations, Hamas and Hezbollah being just two of them. You've got ISIS-K, you've got Houthi rebels now, you've got you've got the Jeshe Muhammad and the, um, uh, you know, other sort of different parts of the world from Pakistan, et cetera. So I think what I like to just say is jihadists, Islamic fundamentalists. 
and their ideology is the same. We actually talk about, in the film, we talk about what do all of these groups have in common. And we talk about the ideology that speaks to infidels or non-believers who should be punished, who should be killed, unless they're under your rule and they pay a tax called jizya. And we actually have a couple of Islamic, very well-known Islamic authorities in the film that speak to this. And um, it's just, it's scary, very scary. Well, the U.S. right now is continuing to launch retaliatory uh, military strikes inside Yemen, Iraq, and Syria. What's the likelihood that the terror, uh, terrorists that have gone undetected crossing the southern border, the gotaways that you mentioned, may launch attacks right here inside the U.S. if the U.S. bombs targets, let's say, inside Iran? I don't think it's going to uh, necessarily instigate to do them to do it so much because I think that they're here to instigate those attacks. Do I think it's going to maybe fast track it? Absolutely. But remember, we started doing this two years ago and we sort of followed the path and we actually show you some interviews in the film of terrorists actually being in the U.S. I think they're here. The sleeper cells are here. Unfortunately, and I say this with a great deal of remorse, we will see another 9-11, unfortunately, and I'm so sad to say this, we will. Well, it seems like it's heading that direction. And in your film, America Invaded, you talk to veterans, Gold Star families who told you about their suffering and their sacrifice. Do you think it was worth it or are they bitter and resentful? What do they think? I don't think these people can ever be bitter and resentful just because of who they are. When I think, I mean, I have never served in the military, uh, I'm a Democrat, believe it or not. I'm not a complete crazy leftist. I'm somewhere in the middle. I do believe Americans should come together. People, I just did an interview and they asked me, why are you still a Democrat? Because the Democrat Party is a mess. I'm not sure I'm going to vote Democrat in 2024, but someone needs to stick around to fix the party. If this is what is happening at our border should concern every single American. Going back to the veterans, I think when people serve in the military, they're Democrats and Republicans, largely, I think, conservative, but there are some liberals there. But I think they're, the way they look at serving their country goes well beyond sacrifice and well beyond regret and resentment. What I will tell you is this. The Biden administration, and I speak to Mr. Biden, President Biden, as a Democrat who has been a longtime Democrat, President Biden, you are unraveling the legacy and the heroism of all of our troops that were killed and wounded in the global war on terror in Iraq and Afghanistan. Do not do this. It's not worth winning an election to unravel that legacy. Well, in addition to free housing, New York City's launching a $53 million pilot program to give undocumented immigrant families prepaid debit cards. So what about homeless veterans? Are they getting the help they need? What have you discovered? So we actually, I, I uh, released another, another picture two years ago. It was called America's Forgotten. It's on Amazon Prime. A homeless veteran basically says we were, you know, sometimes we just feel like we're used. We're used as pawns to go, we're, we're told to go protect America and sent to these foreign territories, which they don't mind going, by the way. And then you just leave the floodgates open on the home front of giving out these free handouts to illegal immigrants versus perhaps the people that have served and come back and need the help desperately to live their day-to-day -day lives. And they want an explanation. 
Uh, Namrata Singh Gujral, thanks for taking the time to share with us. God bless you and your efforts. AmericaInvadedFilm.com. Each year when the Super Bowl rolls around, big corporations try to outdo one another by premiering unique eye-catching ads. Yes, again. can you believe it? Trouble. Forget the football. Some people watch the Super Bowl only for the commercials. There's some ad teases out on social media that give us a glimpse of what to expect this year. Some feature celebrities like Academy Award-winning actor Anthony Hopkins. Now, hear me roar! And there are the sports stars like Patrick Mahomes going for his third championship ring in Super Bowl 58. He advertised the Subway footlong cookie. This might be my favorite sidekick ever. And two of my favorite retired sports stars, hockey great Wayne Gretzky and the NFL's GOAT, Tom Brady. Go Blue. I used to babysit Tom Brady and he was a little troublemaker. Well, then you die with your secrets. No one likes a snitch, but you're in. But there's a first ever ad this year targeting anti-Semitism. It's sponsored by New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft and his foundation to combat anti-Semitism. The commercial features Dr. Clarence B. Jones, who helped draft Dr. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. Kraft recently phoned Jones to let him know he'd be in the commercial. And what we're going to do together after this ad is Bill Bridges to get more love and, and subdue the hate that's going on. In response, Jones said the civil rights movement and passage of civil rights legislation would not have happened without the support of Jewish Americans. Folks with anti-Semitism now reaching unprecedented levels right here in the United States, an ad like this is timely and needed. Will it do any good? Yes, if it encourages people to speak out and resist hate against people of all faiths and colors. Jones says silence is not an option. He's right. And during this Black History Month, I'd like to add another statement that Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King would have endorsed. If you're tempted to hate or discriminate, always let the Holy Spirit be your guide. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on the CBN News and NRB channels, YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Rumble, and our broadcast affiliates. And until next time, be blessed.